TopplessRobot.com presents... You're listening to Animated Opinions, the only podcast that offers virtual digital life skins of your hosts for the online life game of your choosing. I'm Melanie, the premium skin. I'm Emily, I'm free. She's the default. Yeah, I'm fucking default as hell. We watched Ready Player One and tried not to off ourselves during it. I didn't really feel the need to off myself while watching it, but I think it's because I was more invested in the visual effects than anything else. Oh, it was so long, though. It was definitely at least two hours too long. (laughs) It was a two-hour, 20-minute movie, but it was two hours too long. It was two hours? Oh, God. No, it was over two hours long. I know it was over two hours long. I thought it was like 2.9. Shit. No, it was 2.20. Jesus! I did not watch the credits. I did, but only because I may or may not have known somebody that worked on it. Turns out I did not. But I'm just going to say, well, it was 2018, so doing the VFX would have been... Wait, this is the first time I've had slightly more of a connection to a movie than you have. Wow. What do you mean? Uh, A game that someone I know worked on, the characters appear in the film. I mean, same. Okay, fine. Nice try. Sorry, bitch. Whatever. Um, oh, God, I'm trying to think of where to fucking start with this. Well, I mean, I just want to say right up front, right up front, that I really appreciated the fact that it seemed like ILM and Spielberg listed every visual effects artist that worked on this movie, which doesn't happen often. Okay. Usually credits for smaller studios are cut and you can only list production or leads or producers. So anybody that worked on it as an artist ends up getting cut, which means that a lot of the films that I worked on when I was at a visual effects house, I did not get credit on. I worked on... Well, like I touched every Marvel film from Civil War to Infinity War, and I got screen credit on Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And that was after a massive fight. Aye. It's a disaster. Credit your artists, pay your artists. Agreed. (sighs) Ready player one. I know. Ready player one. I'm just going to read this whole block of text. Yeah, we're, we're just going to go for it. Let's go. Ready Player One is a 2018 American science fiction adventure film based on a novel by Ernest Cline. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, and the screenplay was written by Zach Penn and Ernest Cline himself. It premiered at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas on March 11th, 2018, and was theatrically released, released by Warner Brothers in late March of 2018 in 2D, 3D, Real D, IMAX, and IMAX 3D. <sighs> I know. I, yeah. It grossed over $582 million and received generally positive reviews. Everybody mm. really liked the visual effects and the performances by a couple of the actors. And the cultural references were a big hit. But it was noted to be significantly different from the book and the critics definitely took issue with the plot. 
Yeah. Not shockingly, it was nominated for a fuck ton of VFX awards. That's fair, though. It deserved it. This movie did look good. Yeah. So this movie, actually, Warner Brothers bought the film rights for the production. Uh, They wanted producers Dan Fair and Donald DeLine. And they bought the rights to the film in 2010, one year before before the book was published. Wow. And it was the... it was Spielberg's first fantasy. If I can't read anymore, oh no, I've had a lot of whiskey, guys. She's it dying. It was Spielberg's first action fantasy film since The Adventures of Tintin in late 2011. Klein and Penn made several revisions to adapting the novel to film. Most of these changes were to eliminate scenes that would have been uninteresting in visual format, such as when Wade beats the high score in Pac-Man or recites all the lines from War Games. In 2016, okay, rude. What? The where Wade recites all the scene, the lines from war games is a genuinely relevant moment in the film and would have been much better than the shining segment. They probably couldn't get the rights to it. Yeah, I mean, that is true. In 2016, American musician Moby said that he had made an attempt to adapt the book into a film. But it turns out that Spielberg had secured the rights six years prior. (laughs) Moby is a fucking liar. Moving on. I just want to know what it's like to be so in demand that the film rights to your book get purchased after probably a huge bidding war by a major studio before your book is even published. Also, can I talk about the book for a second? Have you read it? Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, it's masturbatory garbage. Mm hmm. It's it's an 80 circle jerk. It's an 80 circle jerk and a white male power fantasy at its finest. It's so when yeah, it's when people in high school made fun of me because I liked TV and video games. And now I'm going to get back at them by writing the fact that I get the girl and I'm the coolest guy and I'm the only person that can save the world. I get it, Ernest Klein. Nobody likes you and you can't get your dick wet. Do we think he got his dick wet? I think he has like a kid or a Real boring quick, wife Googling or something. Ernest Klein. Did Ernest Klein get his dick wet? Did Ernest Klein fuck? Unlike well, Tony Hawk. judging by his face alone, I'm going to say, okay, Mel. Ernest Christie Klein is an American novelist, slam poet, and screenwriter. Oh, good Lord. He has a spouse. Of course he does. He made money. They were married in 2016. Are they divorced? No. No. Let's look at personal life. God, um, he looks like George Lucas. Oh, yeah. That's, a ju- that's why I said judging by his face, dude. Yeah. Oh, The picture of him without the beard is a nightmare. Ew, I haven't seen that. Oh, God. The beard really hides a lot of it. Like, this is a man who looks better with age. He looks like George Lucas and Kevin Smith's love child. In 2016, he married poet nonfiction writer Kristen O'Keefe. Eptowitz? It's Polish. Yeah, whatever. Aptowitz? I can't remember what sound that makes. Um, He met her in 1998. Oh. Oh, look at her picture. It explains a lot. Oh, no. They look like they could be siblings. Why would you... Why would you... (laughs) 
Why would you fuck mm-hmm. Ernest Klein? No, why would you say those words? Oh, no. Oh, yes. Okay. Filming for thing, Ready Player though. One. <laughs> Someone who's thinking, wow, these girls are really mean and judgmental. Oh, we're single as hell. No one loves me. Single as hell. No one loves me. Also, I know that the moment I got famous, it would just be fat Jew bitch. So whatever, yeah. y'all. Well, I at least have the advantage of being very Aryan. Yeah, I don't. So, as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pale person, no one loves me. Mm -hmm. I've never had a boyfriend. I've never been in a relationship. And I will die alone. Oh, I ride the cock carousel. I'm also somehow catnip to 30-year-old, mid-30 to late 30-year-old, especially married men. Okay, okay. Some of us aren't. Some of us have relationships with regular ass people no i don't have that option i i am very fortunate in that i tend to date pretty boring white guys i try and date boring white by white guys but all the boring white guys that i'm interested in have yellow fever oh and weirdly all the guys that want to get with me have the inverse of yellow fever They're, they're asian yeah. And I'm Cancel the podcast. We're just going to talk about our dating lives. Yeah, no, it, it would be more exciting than anything that happened in Ready Player One. God, it really would. So, weirdly, this film wasn't shot in Canada, Georgia, or Chicago. It was shot in Birmingham, England. And they wrapped principal photography in 2016, in September. Now, Spielberg worked with ILM, as he usually does, to oversee the film's visual effects, meeting with ILM for three hours, three times a week, which somehow doesn't feel like nearly enough considering how digital this movie is. And he stated that this is the most difficult movie I've done since Saving Private Ryan. What? What? That's a lot of what? Yeah. It's like like ranked third. So it's Jaws, Saving Private Ryan... Which is hard for me to say, because like every time I think about my friend trying to prank call me, but not changing her voice at all, saying that my movie was ready for pickup and it was saving Ryan's privates and it was (laughs) a porn version. Very funny. Spielberg also said he would remove most of the references from his own work. And he's mentioned a bunch in Ernest Cline's novel. I think he removed the original references and then added in whatever he wanted but also because he was attached, they were able to get about 80% of the mentioned licensed material in Ernest Klein's novel. People yeah. were just like, yeah, Spielberg won't fuck this up. Which is weird because when you watch the movie, the only licenses that end up being front and center are Warner Brothers licenses because obviously... Because Warner Brothers distributed yeah, but that's the thing, is that they reformatted the licensed materials to make sure that the Warner Brothers licenses were the ones that were actually story relevant, whereas anything smaller got, like, maximum and on-screen cameo. It was yeah. weird to see a movie have managed to shake hands with so many separate companies and then only just, like, throw them in the background as a model, not even, like, doing anything. Yeah, so they were able to secure the rights for some, but not all. For example... They couldn't get Close Encounters of the Third Kind from Columbia Pictures, despite that being one of Spielberg's first films. And Blade Runner, 
which is integral to the book, was off-limits because Blade Runner 2049 was also in production at the same time as Ready Player One. So you they know ended what? up Good. using The Shining. All, wait, okay, The Shining... Please Blade hold Runner- for hell. Please fucking fire helicopter again. I'm gonna come here. Blade Runner did... The Shining did not replace Blade Runner's importance in the book, one. Two, I'm glad that Blade Runner didn't get associated with this hot garbage pile. Three, Blade Runner 2049 is a fantastic movie. I didn't really enjoy it, but I loved the visual effects. I didn't enjoy Blade Runner 2049 until the very end of it. And then I watched it a second time and was like, oh, shit, no, this is brilliant. I'll have to give it another chance then. It it took a little bit of it sinking in. And then I was like, wait, no, I love this. But, but so you're shitting on the Shining sequence. Fuck I the Shining to, sequence. No, but hear me out. Okay. This is some cool shit and has potential real world application. And I live for this kind of information. Mm-hmm. They used high quality telescene of the original film, which gave them freedom of new camera angles. And then they could generate shots from that recreation of The Shining. Uh-huh. So the final film includes a combination of the original footage and ILM's additional created work. The only scenes that involved real actors were the appearance of the Grady twins. And they actually had to make a constructed faithful reproduction of the shining set for the actors and then in the end they ended up slapping film grain and other aging effects on it to make the new footage indistinguishable from the original film yeah i could tell that the elevator scene was straight from the original film that i found impressive that they had just cgi'd in the shitty looking character into the original film it looked real and i was like oh wow well that that compositor did an amazing job yeah me, 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 me. Compositors no. are gods. Yeah, but Ake looked like shit on top of the actual blood coming out of H. the elevator. Ake, H, whatever. H, please, God. Sorry, I read a book with that word in it, and it was never phonetically written, so I always yeah, said it was but- Ake. Okay. H. Maybe it's because I, I took it. a lot of Latin. Yeah, I didn't. I took Spanish. ILM had to also faithfully produce digital recreations of several cultural references throughout the film, including the DeLorean Time Machine, the Iron Giant, Chucky, and a version of King Kong that was modeled after the 1933 version of the character. But it looks like, I don't know, it looks more like a better version of the Peter Jackson one. It does. It has both the cartoonish look of the 1933 version while also having the realistic texture. Yeah, I actually really did like their version of King Kong. Also, ILM just used their own goddamn T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Of course they did. Why wouldn't they? Now, I did a lot of digging into this movie, clearly, because I have a lot of visual effects information and post-production information. I just really want to appreciate production designer Adam Stockhausen. He was working on both Ready Player One and Isle of Dogs at the same time. Think about those movies. Yes. Think about how different they are. Yes. Stockhausen said, even though they use entirely different methods, at least half of Ready Player One is CG animated. This is what I, sorry, that is where I think there is an amazing similarity because stop motion is miniature and digital animation is created in the computer. There's no reality to fall back on. Absolutely. Everything has to be made. Every chair, every glass. And before anything else can be made, it has to be planned and designed. First of all, fucking thank you. Thank you, Adam. 
people who refuse to admit movies like this are fucking animated movies hurt the industry and they hurt the people who literally slave over these movies and they make the worlds that you see and it just entirely discounts their work. Fuck. Yeah. Everything's That's fair. Good. We don't need to talk about the stacks being a practical effect and how Stockhausen based it on crowded cities such as Hong Kong. I did really like the stacks, though. I liked them in the book, and I thought that they did a really good translation of them into the film. No, those look good. And do you want to know why they look good? Because they're practical. Yes. Yeah. I stand by the fact that practical effects with digital enhancement will always look better than straight digital. It's true. This is why I want to make movies. I love you. Sorry, I'm drinking whiskey. It's okay. You want me to read while you drink? Yeah, I'm going to finish this off. Let go. All right. In 2045, people seek regular escape from life through virtual reality entertainment universe called Oasis. Ontology, anthro... Oh, fuck this. Co-created by James Halliday and Ogden Morrow of Gregarious Games, located in Columbus, Ohio. After Halliday's death, a pre-recorded message left by his avatar, Anorak, announces announces a game granting ownership of Oasis to the first to find the golden Easter egg within it, which is locked behind a gate requiring three keys. The contest lured a number of gunters, or egg hunters, and the interest of Nolan Sorrento, the CEO of Innovative Online Industries, IOI, uh, basically a garbage ad company, who seeks to control the Oasis himself. IOI uses a number of indentured servants and employees called Sixers to find the egg. This is a... It's a lot. It's a lot. There's so much of this movie that is narration because you have to set up the entirety of like, yes, all of the world's economy and everything has been replaced by this virtual reality game. Yes, there is a single company that somehow hamstrings people into debt and also ruins their lives over this virtual reality game. Yes, everything has gone to a post-apocalyptic hell world because of a corn syrup drought in 2027 that we won't elaborate on. Also, yes, I'm a boring ass white kid. My name is Wade Wiggins or whatever the fuck. Wade Watts. Wade Wiggins. Wade. Wade. Wad. Here, I have a lot of plot holes in this movie, but here's one of my biggest. So Columbus, Ohio is said to be the fastest growing city in the U.S., but it's also where literally the biggest company in the world that makes all of the money and is in fact the commerce hub of the world is located Shouldn't Columbus not be a hellhole and at this point just be one big Apple campus for gregarious games and IOI? The fact that both of these companies are so small when you consider the size of Cupertino and Mountain View for Google and Apple is insane to me that like uh, somehow Columbus could also contain these slums of people just playing the game when all of the world's money goes through this game. And there are apparently only two companies that control it, IOI and Gregarious, respectively. This is the future. And I assume that anything that happens after 2020 is in a post-Transformers universe where shit gets destroyed. Literally all of the world's money goes through this fucking game. It doesn't, nothing makes sense to me. I just had to sit back and just, I ignored all of the opening narration. Uh, That's... I ignored all I the opening narration, so I don't understand. 
Well, this movie also this movie also places literally everything within the same like 10 blocks of each other. So that way it doesn't have to spend the time the book does moving characters from place to place, which is genuinely hilarious to me. I really wanted to punch our lead actor in the face. I don't know why or what it was about him, but I really wanted to do it. And there was immediately a Minecraft plug. Uh, also, Hello Kitty, Bats, Maru, and Karopi were all hanging out in the background. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that was the best licensed character spot of the whole film. But also, like, I love yeah, it. the licensed characters are just peppered throughout the film. They're not, like, only in the battle scene, which is what I thought was going to happen. They're it's literally the emoji everywhere. Movie. It's the emoji movie from non-apt, non-app product placement. Yeah. But I did like that we were sticking, like, immediately I recognized that we were going to be sticking with H being a black girl. I was sad, if anything, that the movie made nothing of her identity crisis, or not identity crisis, but the fact that she hides her identity specifically to make sure that she is safe within the game. I thought that that was a really great part of her character and made her really special in the book that she's a black lesbian girl and is like, yeah, of course I'm going to pretend I'm a white man in a video game. Do you think I'm stupid? I loved her because of that. But we can't talk about that. She like vaguely dances around it, but it was really an important and defining part of her character that I thought made her really great in the book. And I do, Ernest Klein, even though you had your dick in your hand for the whole book, I do appreciate H. Thank you. Yeah. Now, the problem with the movie is we can't have any character that's more interesting than our milk toast white boy. That would be literally every character. White boy? White boy. White boy. Uh, The movie takes a long time to establish, for no goddamn reason, that there is a game, in essence, where if you get shot, you go back to level one and lose all of your money that is real world money. But only in some sections of it. Yeah, you have to go to, like, the special deathmatch section. Why the fuck would you go to the special deathmatch section if you're going to lose literally everything? Uh, For the games? Potential games? I guess. I I don't know. The movie simultaneously has no shame, but also no interest in the licensed characters in the background. But all of this just made me think about the fact that either... Oasis managed to buy up every company of every licensed character that had ever existed and integrated them into the game. Or they were so big that every company was kind of hamstrung into making a deal with them in order to continue existing. Either way is a really like fucked up idea about the death of media via capitalism, because you think about the Oasis It, in theory, has every piece of media living within it to the point where you can play it, either like experience it one on one or be a part of it inside of it, which is just wild. I've I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I've had too much whiskey to understand literally anything of what you just said. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Something, something, shame. Yeah. Okay. Movies are expensive. Yeah, movies are expensive and movies need money and all of this licensed character bullshit. You know, you pay money to have your characters in, but you also get money because they're going to give you money to make sure everything is correct. Yes. One second. Uh, We're good. Bless you, dear. Thank you. Yes. 
Um, please, please explain. So there's a QA moment, not a QA moment, the race moment, the race. So the race, everyone's been doing this race for like five years, right? And the solution to yeah. the race is to start and go backwards. That's like right. the first thing you do is you see what if you're a QA person or if you're anybody who wants to see what a video game does when you get bored, which is like within a few races, you're going to try and go backwards because fuck it. Why not? Bold of you to assume that they would have any kind of testing. Not even any kind of testing, but you have to imagine that if basically the only industry that exists is this virtual world, most people that are employed are either engineers or QA people or in some capacity exist to work within a digital space. That's fair. Sorry, I spent a lot of time thinking about the real world implications because I work in video games. What we should really do is abandon this and then just start live watching The Congress starring Robin Wright. Which kind of covers this. All right. All right. Fuck it. All right. Okay. Let me just find it. <laughs> God, the narration in this, though, is God, so yeah. long. No, there. I think my biggest issue with everything here is that no one, no single person alive is loved as much as Halliday is loved. Also, fuck Halliday. He's a tool. I forgot how little I liked the book. And I was just having a hard time comprehending that the fact that in 2040 plus, everybody still was obsessed with the 1980s. I can't decide if the book, if the book pretended that the Oasis got made in like the early 2000s. So that way there is no culture past the 1980s, which would at least make sense that there's no unique culture once the Oasis comes out because it is a monolith. So, I mean, in 2011, there really wasn't the obsession with the 80s, though. Was there? Yeah, but imagine, okay, so, like, imagine if Netflix was also a life solution. Like, if Netflix, Facebook, and the iPhone were all one tech thing that came out at the exact same time, and everyone immediately adopted it, and it became the dominant force in our world. That's what the Oasis is. So in theory, in this world, culture could have stopped the moment that the Oasis got big. Uh-huh. Because everything happened within the Oasis. So the only thing people can be nostalgic for that's recent is the 1980s. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this book and movie. I don't think about it at all, and I can't tell you how obvious that is. You're probably right. There was also a lot of Alita Battle Angel bullshit going on with Artemis's design, and I was not intending that to be a compliment at all. Oh my god, her eyes are so nasty. And then there was a Twitch plug. Yes! Which Twitch was weird. Plug. Twitch plug. They never plug it again or show the UI or anything. It's just like, yeah, I guess Twitch exists. They're just like, hello, Twitch is real. I've watched all of her Twitch streams. And you're like, what, Twitch is real? Yeah, right. How uh, do you watch okay. Twitch? Do you watch Twitch digitally in the Oasis? I guess so. Uh, okay. Twitch is the only actual company that gets mentioned. That's interesting. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie has so much goddamn inappropriate licensed music in it. Yes. And it's always wrong and it's at the wrong times. And then when there's a five minute on screen car chase and race, no music. None. Yeah, no, I really wanted that Tony Hawk song to come in. 
I wanted any music to show up during the car chase because the sound design was really bad for that specific scene. Honestly, the sound design in this whole movie was lackluster at best. 100%. I actually complained about the sound game. I actually complained about the sound mixing later on. Yeah. Yeah, I was on the second. I was on the second licensed song and I was just done. God, yes. It's awful. I just hate it. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. So Wade Watts is an orphan teenager living in the slums or stacks of Columbus, Ohio, with his Aunt Alice. In the Oasis, his avatar, Parzival, is best friends with H, a virtual mechanic. One day, Parzival befriends Artemis, a well-known gunter sharing a common interest in Halliday's history. They review Halliday's Life from the Archives, an online library of Halliday's Life that came online upon the start of the games, with the help from its curator. They learn Halliday had several regrets in life, including his unrequited love for Moro's wife, Karen, who used the gamertag Kira, and losing Moro as a friend after forcing him to sign away his part of Gregarious Games. Using this information, they solve the first two challenges of Anorak's game, a car race across an ever-shifting Manhattan cityscape, and a search for Kira in the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. H and two of their other friends, Daito and Sho, soon follow suit, with the group becoming known as the High Five on the Oasis scoreboards. (laughs) My first question, how much is rent in the Oasis that H has this big-ass workshop? I don't know. How much is the exchange rate for fucking Bitcoin? I don't know, but Renton uh, Second Life is re- ridiculously high, so I have to I imagine it's even worse. Is. Second Life is the real world equivalent of the Oasis, except it's old and shitty. Okay. It also is in VR, but otherwise, same shit. Uh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of plot of- crammed into that paragraph now that I'm thinking about it. It's a lot of plot, but also nothing happens. Uh, Artemis and Parzival become friends. They solve the first two things. Yes. They have Asian friends who are never important. Correct. They weren't important in the book either, but it still hurt my feelings that they weren't important in this. I think my problem was immediately after the car race... The whole movie is boring as hell, and I just wasn't about it at all, and Spielberg just wanted to digitally jerk off, and this is the CG cum stain. Yeah, like, that's it. With more creepy Alita Battle Angel bullshit. I hate this movie. I hate Artemis. Everything sucks. There's no character development or growth. Characters just walk onto screen and say the things that they're thinking, and then they walk off screen, and it's the next plot beat. That's it. Like... Parzival and Artemis talk like they know each other. H is just there to dispense occasional good wisdom as any obviously black or lesbian character does in a movie. In her case, she's stuck with both roles. Yes. So, fucking useless. Congratulations. So, we're just, we're stuck. Yeah. Mm. I, I took the biggest issue with the fact that I'm calling him Percy because I'm lazy Percy's hair was just floating all the time. And I feel really bad for the person that had to make it do that. But also, I'm pretty sure Artemis, like, made it stop. Yeah, I didn't know what she did when she, like, touched him and made electricity happen to his hair. I guess that's what she did. Yeah, what the fuck even was that? Uh, and then Wade narrates, maybe it's because Artemis said it and she's hot. Fuck this movie. Also, just... I don't clan. Yeah, okay, bro. 
Parzival is a terrible character and I hate him. I appreciate the fact that it was at least a little bit self-aware, but I also appreciate the washing machine bed. Yeah, that was funny. That was amazing. It, I don't like the fact that this movie centers around a really creepy man being yes. God and yes. making everyone know everything a creepy about his white life. Man. Yeah. He's all the way not there. And the actor is clearly playing him as creepy and uncomfortable as possible. And the movie is still like, Halliday was a god. Halliday was a good person. And I'm like, he's never made a good decision. You don't see any kind of benevolence or kindness from him throughout the movie. All you see is that he was a guy who wanted his special digital toy. And that was it. But the other thing is, so you talk about the library in like a little bit. Or the the archives. The, doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. Everything there is recreated from his memories. Yeah. And that, I think, is the... Like, that and home video and, like, whatever. The problem lies in the fact that memory is flawed and he is the hero. So everything we are seeing paints him in the most flattering and best light. And that is the only version of him that people are seeing. The only version of him that people are ever going to see. And it's recorded for all of history. Which is weird because he's still a creep in his own memories. I don't think he intended to come off that way, but I also think this whole movie did a very good job. I don't know if they intentionally did it this way, but I think they did. There's there's a review later on that kind of highlights this, and I don't want to like un I don't want to fuck it up by paraphrasing it. But it's uncut. The whole movie is uncomfortable. Not uncanny valley uncomfortable because that's a different issue. It's yeah. just uncomfortable agreed like for reasons that i don't know how to express no i feel the same way where it is i think if you're not a white boy who loves video games in the 80s you immediately feel boxed out by this movie because it's yes. not for you and it's not about you yes also tj miller is in this movie god fuck tj miller i hate him yeah i was 32 minutes into it by the way like i said earlier it's two hours and 20 minutes in 32 minutes, I had gotten up four times, and one of those was to make another drink. The funniest line in this movie was when the IOI CEO is presenting his plan for the Oasis when he wins the egg, and it was, and we'll be able to fill their visors with 80% ads, which is exactly before they start having seizures. Yes. And I laughed because it implied that they had tested how much of the visor they could fill yes. up before test subjects had seizures. And I was like, ah, that's real. That made me laugh. But also, how come none of the on-screen ads were for erectile dysfunction or singles in your area? Very true. Don't know the answer to that. The ad space must be very expensive. That's true. I had another logic question about this movie, which yes. is how are people not constantly streaming everything or how can IOI not watch every race that happens in the holiday egg race thing and instantly know what Wade did to get the first key? Because they are never shown getting the first key in the movie. Halliday built in protection for this exact kind of thing. And that's exactly why IOI mentioned when they were talking about the ad block, they were just like... Um, it's like an assuming we win we can do this but he's like we'll just have to get around all of these things that hold on pause for fire helicopter i don't know though if i were ioi i would always just have a goon standing in the stupid car race recording it i mean i said oh, for fuck's sake 
I guess Halliday could have turned off streaming and recording inside of the car race. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I feel like Halliday would have put up a block for that kind of thing because you had to, like, tell other people how to win. Yeah. You know? Uh, All right. Next plot. Uh, Yeah, Jesus fuck. Sorrento learns of Parzival's real-life identity through Oasis mercenary Irock. Who was added in. We didn't need T.J. Miller, but we fucking got T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller was plot convenience. Yep. And attempts to sway Wade into joining IOI, but Wade refuses. In retaliation, Sorrento has IOI's head of operations, Xandor, bomb Wade's stack, killing Alice. Artemis's player, Samantha Cook, rescues Wade, but they are soon found by IOI. Samantha is captured and remanded to one of IOI's loyalty centers to work off the debt she acquired. While Wade is extracted by the other High Five, Helen, Toshiro, and Zhao, the group tracks down Samantha's location at IOI and they remotely help her escape, allowing her to assist them in the Oasis as Artemis. That's like 90% of the plot. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Artemis pulls Wade aside when he goes to the archives after he wins the car race and she's like you need to hide your identity you're famous now Mm -hmm. and she makes him put on a disguise and then she walks through despite being a famous streamer and someone who is also on the scoreboard undisguised and no one talks to her I I kind of question her fame and to be fair, Parzival was the one who won the first key, so he is more famous than her. I guess, but also in the book, she was very, she was like the leader of the Gunters. Yes, but that's in the book. Okay. We can't have, we can't have a woman, even a white woman, upstage our milk toast white boy. It's true. Uh, this movie constantly goes out of its way to telegraph feelings to you, the audience, because despite being two hours long, it still has to say things like Halliday was really sad about losing Kira because they couldn't just show it on screen and have Wade connect the dots without yelling it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, one second. It's okay. H should be the protagonist of this movie. Yes, I fully agree with that. She's the only character that has any goddamn sense. She's funny. She constantly is doing useful and good things. And just, God, she doesn't get enough screen time to even explain her deal other than an offhanded joke about not being what she is on the Oasis, which is, if anything, reasonable to the Oasis. It frustrated the hell out of me. I think my biggest issue here, first of all, Simon Pegg. Yes. I love Simon Pegg. The implication that, who's the bad guy? What's his name? Sorrento. Sorrento. The cheese. Um, <laughs> I like the implication that they had like a 40-year-old man intern. Yeah, that was Because they were just like, they were just like, Sorrento was an intern for Morrow and Halliday, and he looked exactly the same. And I was like, this intern is 40. (laughs) This movie is literally boring me, and I'm not even watching it. It's somehow worse than the book, because I could read the book in two hours and just be done forever. But this was agony because I had to pay attention. 
Yeah, that is totally fair. It It's just, it's painful to watch. And the upcoming sequence in the dance club, which doesn't even get mentioned in the plot summary because it's that useless, it was painful to watch because the camera just whips around for five to ten minutes. I read your note and I was super ready for it, but I wasn't. Because suddenly the flashing lights, like light sensitivity kind of makes me sneeze. The flashing lights made me sneeze out whiskey. And I was like, this scene really took me out of it because they were shouting or like fake shouting while literally not being in a loud or overly crowded place. Fix your fucking sound mixing if you want me to believe this. Oh, yeah. It didn't sound anything like they were in somewhere even remotely loud. Also, Artemis looks like strange magic and now you can't unsee it. Yeah, I know. And then I went off on strange magic. Uh, then they started disco worming. Then they yes. literally fuck each other on the dance floor. Yes. And yeah, the sound mixing is dumb as hell. Who the fuck did this? The only good part about this was how cool Artemis's dress was. Agreed. And also that it turned into a pantsuit when she did the 70s thing. Yes. 70s? Yeah, they did the disco. Oh. You can tell uh, by the way I just smell welcome. Okay, continue. Uh, another plot hole in this movie. Yes. Why do people buy the haptic suit if they're only going to do high level offensive play? Why does getting shot in the chest and having it actually hurt help you be better at the game? Penis. Yeah, but not for if you're not using the Oasis for sexual purposes, which it clearly has its 18 plus planets based on the fact that we see a woman stripping in the yes. very opening of the film, it exists. Why would you wear it if you're not about to go to the strip club or whatever? Fun? Experience? Immersion? I don't know. Um, also, the IOI parts of the movie are the best parts of the movie because they were clearly written by someone who is aware of how shitty companies are, and that made me happy. Yeah, it was written by a screenwriter who was just like, fuck working for big corporate names. Yeah, it was fun. I liked that. It was worth it. Uh, also, Wade, IOI explodes Wade's trailer stacks and he just runs towards it because he's stupid. He went to the Prometheus school of running away from things. Yeah. Where? Are yes. They? Wade appears in Sam's or Artemis's like weird hacker tent zone. Right. Because she has one of her friends kidnap him. Uh, and she's like, I'm so ugly. I'm Whoa. pretty and I have an easily covered birthmark. Right, but we missed the part where I said I'm fucking exhausted from this movie and then I realized that there was a moment where finale, first of mm -hmm. all, that name. I know. Where Sorrento is basically like bribing finale with a promotion and she doesn't have to suck his dick to get it. And I was fascinated. I was like, all she has to do is marry kids, like not marry, all she has to do is murder kids. I'm 100% in. Of course you are. You're a murderer. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yep. I do love the chloroform, though. Yes. Uh, but God, the other thing yeah. is, here's my other thing. Artemis has to be only streaming Twitch as her character. 
Yep. Because if she's got an easily covered birthmark, which looks awful, by the way. Oh, yeah. As like a prop, not like a. Yes, they did very poor makeup on her. Yes, 100%. But she's got a port wine stain on her face. Who cares? Yeah, it's not a big deal. No, you can easily cover that with makeup, but it's also not a bad looking birthmark. Who gives a shit? Yeah. But so it occurred to me that she would only have to be streaming as Artemis because no one knows her face. Like if she's self-conscious about her face. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It. Oh, God. It's so bad. And Wade immediately starts touching her face and like is like, oh, you're so pretty. And I was like, you don't know her like that. Don't touch her. Yeah, I. They are kind of friends, but he was being super oddly creepy and intimate about it. And maybe it was just his tone of voice. And it's like a very familiar tone that men take when they want to fuck you, but like not necessarily want to get to know you any better. Any of our female listeners will understand. Oh, yeah. I don't know if men take the same approach. I don't know if gay men take the same approach. Um, But straight men have a very specific tone of voice and a very specific attitude when they want to fuck somebody. And that is exactly what Wade is doing. And it makes me so uncomfortable. And he's like talking to her like really calm and low and slow. And he's like, it's so much slower here. The wind, the people. And I was like, did he just call her fucking slow? Who knows? But her screaming, oh shit, into his face was amazing. Yeah. In the book, she's, she's like, I very- the fuck out. She's very angry at him. Yes. In the book. And I liked that better. I wish she were more angry at him all the time. No, we need a love interest. How dare you? I know. I the shining scene is just tonally inappropriate for this movie in a number of ways. And I don't know why they chose the shining over war games or over anything else like tech related. Why not just do the fucking matrix licensing? Warner Brothers owns the Matrix. Doesn't mean you can get it. Also, it was the 90s. Yeah. I know. It's fine. I don't care. Also, just, like, they wanted an homage to Stanley Kubrick because... They couldn't have done 2001 A Space Odyssey. Well, Spielberg really likes The Shining. The Shining sucks. Yes. The but Shining that's what we fucking get. sucks. That's what we get. I know. I also, I hate the fact that the camera just will occasionally follow characters and pretend like it's a st- a handy cam from time to time with no rhyme or reason other than it's an action scene now, so the camera needs to bob up and down in the blood like it was there the whole time. But it was even doing this in scenes where, like, you're just following behind two characters as they walk. I don't think yeah. there was a need for any kind of handheld. No, I hated it. I hated it so much. Yeah. Whatever. The naked lady in The Shining is the I naked lady is real. That. Okay. Yeah. Her stabbing someone isn't real, but the naked lady scene is real. Yes, I remember that, but I just, I was like I don't remember the naked slashing lady and it was because no. she's not supposed to be there. Yeah. Um here's another fun creepy holiday thing. I'm going to trap an avatar of the woman I love in an endless dance with zombies she, where she's clearly miserable. Because I'm not a creep. It Wade sucks. I don't know why we were supposed to like him. Halliday is the same fucking thing. Honestly. 
Holiday yep. just doesn't understand. I honestly don't think, and I point this out a little, little bit later, I don't think Halliday was in love with Kira. I think he was just projecting his love for Moro onto Kira. Yo! It's gay. I'm fine with that. But the only good part about the Shining scene was where they get the screaming IOI employees. I didn't think The Shining was that scary, but whatever. I found that entertaining. Also, it didn't seem like The Shining was any scarier than the rest of the Oasis game. We saw the death match. It looked equally scary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) When... Uh, Artemis turns to Wade and is like, you get Halliday. I'm like, yeah, you're a kissless virgin. Of course you understand Halliday. Oh, God, Jesus, fuck. Oh, no. Uh, The movie also keeps trying to fix stuff from the book. Like, it gently tries to fix Dai and Shoto being disposable Asian stereotypes, and they try and make Artemis a little useful, but then they just add stuff like the Halliday love subplot that makes the movie come off worse than the book did. Yeah, it was just... The problem was that people were still disposable, but they were... Nothing mattered. That was the, that's the whole problem here. Nothing matters. It felt like there were no stakes at all. We know our milk toast white boy is going to win. We know he's going to come out on top. We know he's going to get the girl. This is a movie we have seen over and 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 fucking over again. We get it. The protagonist, I just... The author is a white man who has a white savior complex and he's writing a character that has a white savior complex and here's all we fucking have in this movie. The book at least went out of its way to occasionally make stakes happen. Like, Wade gets captured and ends up in the loyalty center and loses his character and he has to... And Artemis is the one that helps him grind back up and it's like, oh, I'm glad we removed that for some reason. That was... One of the few parts of the book where the main character actually gets shit on. Okay. We can't have that. He's perfect. Of course. I love H, though. Also, hello, other minority characters. I did love show, though. Oh, I loved H and Daito and baby show. Like, all great. Baby show. So sad that none of them got screen time. So sad that, you know, H, who is an integral character to the book and is... I would say a bigger influence than Artemis early on gets minimal screen time and is only the driver. Yep. Also, they picked a really hot actor for Daito. Oh yeah. It was uncomfortable and I loved it. God, he was attractive. Yeah. I really, I, when he, there's a later scene where he's in that suit. Oh yeah. I had to, who mm, boy, mm, he's a hot boy. He was real attractive. I need to charge my phone. Hold on real quick. All right. The third challenge requires one to play Halliday's favorite Atari 2600 game in a castle on Planet Doom, which Sorrento has protected with a force field activated by a magical in-game artifact called the Orb of Asuvox. Because of course he did. Of course he did. Parzival recruits other Oasis players to help the rebels attack the IOI forces around the castle. Artemis deactivates the force field, allowing Parzival to reach the console, but Sorrento activates the Cataclyst, a bomb that kills all the avatars on Planet Doom. However, due to winning a coin from the Archive's curator earlier, 
Parzival gets an extra life, proceeding to play through adventure to find its Easter egg. He is awarded the last key. He opens the gate and is greeted by Anorak and given a contract to sign, but he recognizes it as the same contract Moro signed to turn over his part of Gregarious and refuses. Anorak changes form, becomes Halliday, and reveals that the contract was the final test to make sure Parzival would not make the same mistakes he did. Parzival is given the golden egg in control of the Oasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do this like weird backwards hack to hold Sorrento in the Oasis as he's logging out and they just kind of hand wave it away with like, we hacked it, despite the fact that it would require a an insane amount of work to make it look like the real life office that Sorrento is in and like trick him into thinking it was real. But fuck it. Fine. Yeah, I. my laptop was going to die before this movie ended. Like that is how long this movie was. My laptop is also eight years old. So the battery life is bullshit, but like Wade is pointing a gun at Sorrento and he's like, you killed my mom's sister. That's your aunt. That's your fucking aunt. Just say it's your goddamn aunt. Daito is in that suit. And it was turning me the fuck on. It was hot. Also, every time he called her Artie, I fucking gagged, but it made me really want the Artemis Fowl movie even more. I want Artemis and H to have their own lesbian tech movie. Yes. Lesbian hacker uh, girls. Uh... I played Time to Spot the Licensed Characters, which included the Iron Giant, the Battletoads, Tracer, Chun-Li, a shitload of Master Chiefs. I thought it was Chappie in the background, but I couldn't confirm. The Joker, Batman, Spawn, Gremlins, the Turtles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Chucky. Yeah, we had things like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Freddy Krueger, Tomb Raider, Duke Nukem, Robocop, Firefly, Mass Effect, Battlestar Galactica. I put Mass Effect again for some reason. Gears of War, Batman, War of the Worlds, Doctor Who, and Indiana Jones, just to name a couple. Annoying part, they like built up this big battle of the licensed characters and then immediately cut away from it to Artemis like whispering a spell into the big orb for a few minutes. Whispering a Gaelic spell from the movie Excalibur. Ah. So. yeah. Yeah, just whispering some nonsense for a little bit. It was boring and I wanted to go back to the war to spot more licensed characters. Yeah, I kind of paused it like right at the right moment. I also had a really hard time believing that ILM only did 1500 shots for this movie. Also, Daito became mobile suit Daito and that was great. Yeah, um... I had some questions about IOI, but I don't give a shit about that. Uh, this movie gets exactly one point for a mad ball being the weapon that took down Sorrento. You yeah. weaseled one fucking point out of me for nostalgia. I didn't get that section. I thought it was a gremlin toy. Also, oh, no. Samantha, you know I love you. Get the fuck out of here. Continued question, why would you wear the haptic suit that lets you get kicked in the dick? So you can have virtual sex and get your dick sucked. Yeah, that's true. I also kid could not get over Finale's name. F apostrophe. What an insane name. N-A-L-E. Also, Finale. who the fuck? So they've got the ologists, which is the study of bird eggs for anybody interested. And they're studying the Easter eggs, which hurts me a little bit. Who the fuck was that red-haired chick? And why did she look like Ginny Weasley? And why did she suddenly become an integral 
character at the end. I don't... I think they just wanted to humanize the people that worked at IOI and show that, like, they weren't all bad, I guess. No, you should have done that forever ago. Yeah, I don't know. They also... It amazed me that no one at IOI knew the single thing about adventure that is the only thing that matters with an adventure, which is the Easter egg. Adventure is a garbage game, but it has video games first Easter egg in it. Because they want a queen. Yes, but it's the only notable fact about adventure. I don't know. I can tell you that. Okay, in the real world, Sorrento and Xandor fail to stop Parzival before he wins. After accepting defeat, they're quickly arrested because I guess the police don't have anything better to fucking do. Moro, revealed to have been the curator, offers his services to Wade and Wade gladly accepts. Wade decides to run the Oasis with the other members of the High Five, agreeing to ban IOI's loyalty centers from forcing people into servitude, resulting in them and the whole program being shut down. And he decides to turn off the Oasis twice a week for everyone to spend more time in the terrible-ass real world. He and Samantha make out and move into a luxury apartment together. Fuck this movie. Fuck that there was a chase scene when Wade is already... He has the third key. The only good part about that... But we got to see him get knocked around and thrown around while trying to accept it, and that was fucking hilarious. That's true. Also, poor H's van. I know. Fucking, in order to win my game, you have to memorize every detail of my life, which I mostly spent consuming other media. Also, you have to know all of my personal sadness. Yep, absolutely. I I like the fact that this movie had its, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us, in the trailer stack scene. Finale would have been fucking dead after she hit the payment. That moment was like such like an eat the rich, eat the rich. And then he pulls out a gun and it's just like, never mind. He has a gun. We'll get pizza instead. I was like, there's so many of you. One of you could wrestle the gun out of his hand before he could bother to fire it. This guy is clearly a pussy. The lighting in the room with Anorak in the gold. That section. Yeah. That looked awesome. It did. The whole movie itself looked like an upper end game cutscene and didn't look like a movie at all. And everything about it was wrong and I hated it and I didn't like it at all. But like that scene where they're in the hallway surrounded by gold and he's except and he's talking to Anorak and then it cuts to the bedroom and the lighting immediately becomes absolute fucking bullshit. I was like, what the fuck? Yep. But also Wade asks, what are you? Because Halliday's dead. He specifically asks, is Halliday dead? And he says, yes. He's like, what are you then? Let's just live with the implication that Halliday put his consciousness into the Oasis and just lives there now forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Yeah, like it's not horrific that this poor, sad, clearly mentally ill man now lives an infinitely lonely and torturous existence. Wade doesn't even turn to Ogden and be like, hey, Halliday's like kind of still alive and very sad about the fact that you guys aren't friends anymore. Can you go like have a cup of tea with him and make him feel better? Can you virtually fuck him? Not even just I think him going and having like a nice day with him would have made the digital Halliday feel better. That I guess, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I can't help you. I can't help you. I know. 
I know. My laptop died. It's okay. You didn't miss anything. They kiss a bunch of times and it's annoying. And then the movie immediately ends. Like it pulls out from the stacks being destroyed and is suddenly like uh, cuts to a scene of Artemis and Parzival making out. And it's like, we shut down most people's escapes from the shit reality we're in for two days a week because we're happy and want to smooch for two days a week. The end. Yeah, just fucking don't log into the Oasis. You live a beautiful, happy, perfect life now. There are other people that don't fucking have that. The movie straight up acknowledges the socioeconomic decline of the real world that the Oasis directly contributed to and made it more of a part of the plot than the book did. But we're just ignoring it. How did no one leave the note of like, this is not a feel good ending based on the rest of the movie. And it's not like they even cut to show people happily frolicking in the Oasis or the stacks being rebuilt or people flooding out of the loyalty centers and returning to their families. Well, that's where there's a review that I, I want to bring up later because this movie is over. Yes, we're done. Are we ready to talk about it? You bet I am. Ready Player One was initially scheduled to be released on December 15th, 2017, but they ended up pushing it back to March 30th of 2018 to avoid competition with The Last Jedi. Then in 2018, they're just like, JK, we're moving it up one day to March 29th, probably to capitalize on a weekend. That's fair. Warner Brothers... Sorry, I had to breathe. Warner Brothers distributed the film worldwide with Village Roadshow Pictures distributing in several overseas territories. And around the time the film was released, multiplayer online game platform Roblox held an event based on it. From my understanding, Roblox is just Minecraft, but with money involved. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of money, I'm now ripping this segment straight from the McElroy Brothers, but changing the content because we are entering the money zone. Woo! Ready Player One grossed $137 million in the U.S. and Canada and $445.7 million in other territories, bringing the total to $582.9 million. Made on the production budget of $175 million with, you know, about $150 million more spent on marketing globally. They needed to gross at least four hundred and forty million to break even, so they barely they made the production budget back. Only the production budget. Oof. The opening weekend was fifty three million dollars, which isn't a lot at all, especially for a movie like this. Sci fi adventures don't really have a long theater life, and they don't draw on a female audience. And apparently, women see a lot of movies. Yeah, we do. It still did better than Spielberg's other modern theater adventures, like the BFG, which proved that old white men should just step the fuck down and let somebody else make a goddamn movie every once in a while. Unshocking. Other movies that didn't do well, despite being overly produced CG nightmares, Ender's Game, opening at $27 million in 2013, and A Wrinkle in Time, which at the time of, you know, this movie being out, had only earned $104.5 million worldwide. Most critics agree that Ready Player One is fine overall, but it's slow, lacks character arcs, and it's just a movie that's an 80s circle jerk with overused digital effects. But I did find one interesting take, and I've been mentioning this once or twice, and are you ready for it? 
You bet I am. Film and television critic Matt Zoller cites praised Ready Player One and noted the undercurrent of sadness present in the film. I need to take a sip of water. Go ahead. He said... Anticipation. I know. He said, I don't think Spielberg gets enough credit for making sad films that most people interpret as happy and complex films that are immediately dismissed as simple or confused. Sites concluded that the film is a mess, but is a fascinating and complex one. In March 2019, a year after the release, Sites determined that with Ready Player One's images commenting on capitalism and popular culture, the film was the second most interesting and substantive big-budget fantasy in 2018 after Black Panther, admitting, I still think about Ready Player One a lot, especially in relation to the world around me. I I think Ready Player One has three to four interesting ideas that could easily be expanded upon into something unique and a good commentary on current corporate culture and the monolith of tech. Yeah. The problem is Ernest Klein couldn't take his dick out of his goddamn hand for 90 seconds to have a thought past wouldn't it be cool if all the video games were one video game and also all my favorite 80s movies were there? Wouldn't it be cool if the 80s... Wouldn't it be cool if I was the king of the 80s? Said Ernest Klein. Wouldn't it be cool if all of my specific pop culture knowledge that everyone thinks is useless and dumb isn't mom? I'm the hero of the world, mom! Yeah. I... Yeah. Mm, ready Player One. Yeah, just like it wasn't Ready good. Player it one. wasn't good. No, no, no. It, it was a waste of my fucking time. It was a waste of two over two hours of my life. It was an overly produced CG circle jerk of eighties pop culture. Spielberg needs to retire, and no one in this film was compelling. You know what the best part of Ready Player One was when it was over. I ate a fish ice cream during the opening credits. No, that was the best part. I want a fish ice cream. <laughs> Damn it. I know. I thought that about was buying the best part. I thought about buying ice cream at Whole Foods and then I didn't. Oh, your life is terrible. There's fish ice cream that I can buy single serve no. at the um, grocery store nearest to me. I want fish ice cream. I love fish ice cream. So, uh, in some in summation, fish ice cream good. Ready Player One bad. Ready Player One bland. Ready Player One bland. I mean, if you have two brain cells, I'm sure it's a great movie. No, I think if you have two brain cells to rub together, you'll be bored because you'll be too busy rubbing them together. That's fair. I don't know. I don't know. Anymore. The best part about Ready Player One was when was it, was it was over. Hype, it was hyped up so big. It's like, this is going to be an important moment in pop culture and everyone's going to love it. And then it just disappeared immediately. See, I didn't even get that, though. Uh, there was a lot in like tech and nerd circles of like, this movie's coming out and it's going to be huge. Nope, and then it came I didn't out and get it was garbage. That. I'm glad that it's trash. Good. Same. Whatever. All right. Do you have anything to plug, or is it time for the Patreon? 
It's time for the Patreon. This week on our Patreon, at the $30 level, you can find out what Emily and my Oasis OCs are. We've designed and developed our own characters that would exist in the Oasis and also our characters that would exist in the stacks of California, because I'm to assume California in the Ready Player One world is either on fire or 100% just stacks. So that's where we live. And also our original characters with their details and color schemes like we're deviant art OCs. Mine's just Sonic with tits. Shit, mine was Sonic with tits. Mine has bigger tits. No way. Yes. Ugh, well, I'll have to redo mine and be Rouge the Bat instead. With tits. No, be Tails with tits. Ooh, Tails with tits is good. Yes, I think it's brilliant. Yes, okay. So, you know, $30 if you want to see those characters. Yes. And that's it. I, oh God. We literally have nothing else to say. No, we're done. Fuck this movie. Thank God. All right. See you guys next week. Fucking play the music. Bye. Bye.